What up, weirdos? Oh yeah. Another one. I don't know. I'm not cool enough to pull all that stuff off. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Paul Solo again. Um, still got Matt in, in my thoughts. Um, everything's cool with him, but, you know, he just need to take some personal time. So i um, hoping that he can come back to the show as soon as possible. Um, but in the meantime, I am going to be figuring some shit out. Um, this week, today, I should say, um, I've got, uh, my three day recap of Monster Palooza 2023, um, was there all weekend this weekend. I, this is, um, yes, I'm talking to you from the past. This is yesterday. I understand this comes out on Monday and today's Sunday. Um, we just got back from day three, um, which I think was a lot for me this weekend, um, but there's some drama that goes on with all of that stuff, which I'll get to in a second. But, uh, yeah, my back started hurting towards the end and, um, just kind of seeing everything. So, um, three days was, uh, enough. I think, uh, maybe just like a Friday and like a half day Saturday probably would have sufficed. Maybe we'll do that next year, but yeah, I don't know. As all of you know, I was super stoked to go. Um, the guest of the event um was Robert England um uh, playing you know Freddy from Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, various other things but I mean come on really everybody knows him from Freddy um so I I had um three people on the list that I wanted to see um Robert England was at the very top of that list of course I bought this kick-ass poster from um HCG art that I wanted to have him autograph we had a photo op with him for today Sunday um, and then second on that list was, uh, I guess it's kind of tied for a second. Um, Alan Trotman who plays, um, Tarman from Return of the Living Dead. Sorry, I had a brain fart. Um, and then Miguel Nunez Jr. Who plays, um, Spider from Return of the Living Dead also, um, there as well. So those guys were on my list. So, um, let's backtrack a little bit to Friday, June 2nd, right? Um, that is the first day of the event. I'm at work and I start to get some text messages from um, my brother Peter, who's like, hey man, just so you know, some people are backing out of Monster Palooza and Danny Lloyd was one of them. Uh, he played Danny from The Shining. And, and I had mentioned before, I think we were supposed to see him somewhere else before and he'd also backed out of that. So like, I don't know, in my book, the dude's got a flaky track record. Um... But then the other one was Alan Trotman. Man, I was so bummed because I had my Kickstarter poster that I wanted him to autograph. And I mean, come on. I, I don't know. I don't see him around a lot. I don't know the next time I'm going to get a chance to meet him. It's fucking Tar Man. So I was stoked to meet him, but bummed to hear that um, he wasn't going to make it. Then later in the day, there's a post by Robert England regarding Monster Palooza. So, of course... You know, you're thinking, all right, a couple people already backed out. So what's this going to be? And he uh, was just kind of giving everybody a forewarning. And I quote, uh, sorry, guys, due to scheduling conflicts, I'm going to be tardy today at Monster Palooza in Pasadena. I will only be available for photo ops at Monster Palooza 1. That's straight from his Instagram. So it didn't seem too bad, right? Because he was like, okay, he's going to be late. So to me, what that meant is, um, Saturday was going to be crucial because 
we had the photo up on Sunday. We got Perla and everybody else coming out. Um, the last thing I wanted to do with bringing Perla to the event was stand in line all day just to get his autograph and then go meet him and take a picture. And then that kind of be like the whole day, right? We wanted to walk around, see the vendors, do all that stuff. Um, so my plan was, okay, I'm going to go Friday, stand in line, try to get it. If not, I'm going to show up like five hours early on Sunday and try to be the first in line or Saturday, sorry, try to be the first in line for his uh, booth. And then hopefully I'll knock it out, go do some vendor interviews and then be done. So this meant with him being late on Friday and only doing photo ops that my autograph window kind of got slimmed down to Saturday. And then I got a text message from a new friend of the show on uh, Instagram and he had, I had reposted um, what Robert England posted. So when he saw it, he was like, dude, you had me scared for a second. Like the only reason we're going this weekend is to see Robert England. And like, it's the only reason we bought tickets and they got a photo op. And I was like, you know, kind of the same. And, you know, you know, at least he's going to be late and not flake. Well, I think I spoke too soon because about an hour or so later, we got this bullshit. Cough, cough, cough. Hello, my little monster Pelusians. All of you in traffic on the 110 heading into Pasadena. Anyway, it's Freddy versus COVID. And so far, COVID's winning. It's kicking my butt a little bit. But I will be back. I owe Monster Palooza. I love those guys. And I'm going to be back soon. And you can see me at a Monster Palooza near you. Anyway, I'm going to be okay. But uh, let me, this is awful. And I'm really disappointed I'm not going to be able to hang with everybody from L.A. too. Bye-bye. Now, I think what he meant by saying I owe Monster Palooza is like I owe the fans of Monster Palooza because those are the people that were very upset and disappointed that he wasn't going to make it. And it was a little weird because I think um, between Danny Lloyd and Alan Trotman, one of them had posted that they weren't going to make it because of COVID. And then we got this message after the fact that he was, you know, Robert England was going to be late and then an hour or so later, it was like, oh, now I have COVID. It's like, oh, man, I mean, can't fault the guy for getting COVID. But um, at the same time, it just kind of seemed like bad timing and just kind of put a damper on the whole night. And uh, so I was getting text messages from uh, uh, Dirty Joe on Instagram. And he was like, he was super pissed. I was super pissed. So many people were so bummed. Um, people were trying to get refunds for their like event tickets and uh, luckily, they were refunding the photo op tickets, but, you know, nothing related to the event. Um, so, you know, people still kind of came uh, begrudgingly just because, you know, they don't want to eat the cost of their tickets. Um, but, yeah, it was a bummer. Um, so two out of three people on my list um, off and the big one, especially kind of planned my whole weekend around him. You know, the people I would see, um, the clothes I was in, I had a Freddy shirt that I was going to wear. Um, just kind of the whole plan of attack all just kind of goes out the window now because um, he's not going to be there. But it is what it is or it was what it was. And so um, moved on, drove out there anyways. You know, I was like, fuck it. I just didn't rush like I was going to. Um, really, the only thing I was looking forward to on Friday night was, number one, uh, Miguel Nunez Jr. because he was only going to be there on Friday. And then number two... They were hosting a Max Fleischer panel. Um, for those of you who don't know, Max Fleischer is responsible for a lot of the um, 
you know, the uh, like Betty Boop artwork, stuff like that. Um, there's a um, group um, doing some restoration on some of those cartoons, which um, I'll talk about in a second. Um, so I got to attend that, but I got there late. I got there and it was maybe the last 10 minutes um, of the panel, but I got to see a screening of one of the cartoons and hear the Q&A and it was pretty good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then um, the dude who hosted um, the panel was also, he had also had a booth there too. So I went and checked that out and I got a good interview with him, which you'll hear in a little bit. Um, so that was good. So feeling a little bummed about um, Alan Trotman, feeling a lot bummed about Robert England. I was like, all right, let me go find Miguel Nunez Jr. Get my autograph, get my Blu-ray signed, get his added to the list there. And I was walking up and down um, Autograph Alley and I didn't find him. So I took another lap because I was like, ah, I just must have missed him or maybe he hasn't set up yet. It's still kind of early. And I still didn't find him. So then I asked um, one of the employees there and they were like, I don't know. It's just whoever, you know, whatever's here. So it wasn't very helpful. So I took another lap. Still couldn't find him. Starting to get a little irritated at this point. So um, I went Instagram live. A few of you joined. Thank you. And I kind of explained myself and what I was trying to do. And I went from top to bottom through Autograph Alley showing everybody on Instagram live where all the booths were and all the different uh, guests and none of us could find Miguel Nunez Jr. So kind of getting a little pissed off because I'm checking the website and didn't say anything about a cancellation or anything like that. Everything looked like he was still supposed to be there. I asked another employee again and she was like, you know, um, I was told that he was at his booth, but somebody else said that he wasn't there. So I'm not really sure. Uh, everybody was there. <laughs> everybody who worked there was nice. Not very helpful, but nice. So um, I said, you know what? I'm going to give him one more lap and let me see if I can find him. And I walked down to where he was supposed to be. And just out of the corner of my eye, I caught this glimpse. Like, so there's this long line for people to see John Kassir, who was um, the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt. What I didn't notice was that the his line was blocking tables to other people, one of which was Miguel Nunez Jr. He kind of sat tucked in between John Kassir and somebody else. I don't remember who the other person was, but he was just kind of tucked away. He had no banner. Um, nothing. And it was only when I got on my tippy toes that I could like see him sitting there signing an autograph. And I was like, fuck yeah, he's here. Um, so I kind of cut through the line, got to the table, started talking to him. Dude was cool as shit. Um, got his autograph added to the Blu-ray cover, um, which most of the cast has signed. But, um, what was awesome was that he really loved the rig that I had for my phone. Cause I had, it, um, this company called small rig makes, um, these metal casing rigs for, um, you know, when people want to use their iPhones as like uh, point and shoot cameras, or, you know, if you want to like film make with it or whatever. Um, so he was really digging. He was asking me a bunch of questions about it. Um, Perla had bought it for me last father's day. So he wanted to know where I got it. And, I kind of told him and he, you know, I was telling him that it comes with, you know, some grips and it comes with a microphone and a light. And he was like, dude, it's so awesome. It's so awesome. He's like, uh, he's like, send me some info on that. And I was like, mm, like in, on Instagram. Cause like I text, I had text him on Instagram or like message him asking him like if he was there. Cause 
I didn't see him. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, here's my cell phone number. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. The, uh, one of the, act, one of my most favorite characters in my most favorite horror movie just gave me his personal cell phone. I was like, what the fuck is that all about? So, uh, at some point I need to text him a link, uh, to the small break phone setup, but that was dope. And I thought that like him just being the cool person that he is being a real person, you know, just kind of made up for the whole like Freddie Allen bullshit shenanigans that we'd kind of gone through for the night. So like for me, that kind of turned it around. So I, I wanted to leave on a high note. I left right after that. I was like, I'm going to go home, celebrate the little win, feel good about it. All good. Saturday, day two, um, show back up. I got there in the afternoon around 1.30. Um, wasn't really sure I wanted to start. So I, instead of going up and down Autograph Alley this time, because I already knew who was going to be there and who wasn't, um, I was like, let me go check out the vendors. So I started going up and down the vendors and like immediately I was like not feeling it. I don't know if it was me because I knew some people were missing or if it was like the vibe of the crowd because, you know, it looked like a lot of vendors had, you know, were dependent upon the fact that Freddy Krueger was going to be there. So there was a lot of Freddy shit this year. Um, but, you know, perhaps people weren't buying that stuff because nobody's going to get his autograph on anything. Perhaps people didn't show up because fuck it. The guy I wanted to see is not going to be there. So I'm just not going to go. So the crowd, the, 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 the vibe was off a little bit. And then walking through the main hall, um, the main convention area, there was a ton of makeup and special effects booths. Now, don't get me wrong, all of that stuff is fucking awesome, but they take up very large spaces in that place. And the way that they're positioned um, throughout the space, I felt kind of required the event to like just put everybody else in this weird like zigzaggy pattern. So walking through the convention floor, trying to view the different booths and vendors. And it just felt like if you were trying to go north and south, you had to go east and west. And then when you tried to go east and west, you had to go north and south. It was very wonky in there, which kind of like, I don't know, added to the whole like not feeling it vibe started to get a little frustrated, but I kind of covered the whole floor. And what made it worse was like, there wasn't a lot of vendors of interest, right? And of interest to me. Now, obviously there's a lot of people there. There's a lot of vendors selling a lot of shit. It was a good turnout per se, but I like to interview people that are doing different things because everybody's selling black t-shirts with the terrifier face on it or you know, Freddie and Jason or, you know, glow in the dark posters or what it's all the same recycled pins and buttons and stickers. And like, there's, there's not a lot of diversity when it comes to these types of events. So that's why I like to take my time and find the ones that, that stand out, that do something different. And there wasn't a lot of that stuff this year, in my opinion. So I was like, you know what? Let me go clear my head. Um, I stepped, I stepped out, and I walked into the Hocus Pocus panel. The Hocus Pocus panel consisted of Doug Jones, Omri Katz, Vanessa Shaw, Larry Bagby, Tobias—I never say his name right—Jelinek, and Amanda Shepard. So, Doug Jones, um, awesome, awesome character actor. Um, 
he the, at the end of the panel they revealed that he has just um got done shooting and playing Nosferatu which was funny to me because that same day I saw uh, an announcement on Instagram that um the film Nosferatu just wrapped up um production in Prague but Bill, I think Bill Skarsgård is playing Nosferatu. And then here in the panel, they're like, oh, Doug Jones playing Nosferatu. And I was like, mm, what? But it turns out it's a completely different Nosferatu movie. Oh, okay. Awesome that you would announce your Nosferatu movie at the same day that the other one kind of advertised that they just got done shooting. So I don't know. Weird. Uh, but Doug Jones plays Billy Butcherson in Hocus Pocus. And then Omri Katz played Max. Vanessa Shaw played Allison. Larry Bigby played Ice. Tobias Jelinek played Jay. And Amanda Shepard played Emily Binks. Uh, oh, and also Mick Garris was there. He's the writer of uh, the of the Hocus Pocus movie. One thing he said uh, during the panel, which I thought was kind of cool, was that um, he the, the movie, the screenplay had been written eight years before the movie was released. And that it was a lot darker than what Disney had put out. But... I think that's just kind of in line with what Disney does with really great movies. They kind of water it down so that it's digestible by young kids and marketable. But whatevs, get off my Disney soapbox. So um, done with the panel. That was nice because it was nice air conditioning and uh, quiet seating. So that was cool. Um, I left there and did another lap um of the vendors now that i've kind of cleared my head in that sense and i got some really good interviews um with just a select few um there was uh yolk mouths uh or yolk mouth uh i don't know if it's plural um but you'll hear the interview that they do some really bizarre stuff but it, it's it's awesome uh transal vinyl um, is a company um, that takes old vinyl records and breaks them up and then creates artwork out of the vinyl pieces, which is pretty dope. Um, that that company is um, ran by a guy named Colton Tran. Now, in my interview with Tran, you'll hear it, but um, he had mentioned to me that he was also um, an actor and a director. And, um, you know, that kind of sparked, um, you know, got my ears uh, burning a little bit. And he's a... Uh, he's got a movie coming out um, this year called Snowfalls. And I was looking at his IMDb. He's got a ton of shit on there. Um, and the artwork was really good. So um, I'm going to tag everybody on the, the description for this episode. So you can follow their Instagrams and check out their pages and stuff like that. Um, but he did some really cool shit. And then um, there was a booth called Rockin' Pins, which is also the same guy who was doing the Max Fleischer stuff. So I spent some time talking to him and I remember his booth because he was at, they were at CreepyCon and they had the Fleischer stuff there. And that's where it kind of like reignited my interest in that stuff. And so to see him hosting the panel and then, you know, having his booth that really caught my attention. So, um, we had a, I had a really good conversation with him, which you'll hear in a minute, but um, I had asked some other people too for interviews and like one was like, oh, I'm sick. Like I can't do it. You know, maybe t if you're going to be here tomorrow, um, you know, we can do it tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, sure. Of course. You know, but also at the same time when I walked away, I was like, if you're sick and you're coughing into your hands, like you just did, like 
why are you still here interacting with a whole bunch of people that you're going to be selling your stuff to? Like, I don't know. Just if you don't want to do it, dude, just say no. Like I'm, I'm, he was nice about it and all, but like, come on, just say no. There was another guy who was like, um, yeah, I don't know. We can come back in like 20 minutes. And I was like, sure. But then when I left, I thought about it. I was like, if he wanted to talk to me, he could have talked to me. So I, you know, I'm not trying to be petty, but also I'm not trying to take up a lot of their time because I know they're there to like sell shit as well. So um, I didn't end up going back over there because, you know, I just I didn't want to interrupt his day or whatever. And there was another one else, another one. So I don't know. I was feeling kind of like just blah about the whole day. Um, but I had the interview with, um, you know, I'm on the Fleischer stuff at the end, which kind of turned it around. But the highlight of the day was running into uh, Dirty Joe. Uh, Dirty Joe or Dirty Freaking Joe um, is uh, somebody that I met on Instagram through Toxic Doom and Sean Hates. Um, he's a musician and actor, but um, Joe is doing the uh, music video. D. So that's coming. That's a that's a little bit of a taste from the Sci-Fi Sam music video. Um, dude shreds, you know, um, awesome human being, man. I ran into him and his wife um, at the event on Saturday. Super cool people. Um, he actually ran into um, a director of a movie that he's also in. So he's going to be coming up in some stuff um, called Desert Fiends, and then. Um, uh, he's got some involvement with the area 5150 movie. So like, just again, like with the whole Sean hates camp and all that stuff, which, um, kind of on a side note, uh, cannibal comedian is getting a worldwide, uh, debut at the Marina del Rey film festival. Um, shit, <laughs> I should probably know the date to this. Hold up. That's going to be on Tuesday, June 13th, 930, um, at the Cinemark in LA, um, as part of the Marina del Rey film festival so if you guys are out in that area um go and check it out i'm gonna try my hardest to make it but weekdays fucking suck for me so um we'll we'll see what i can do and then uh day three um is today sunday or yesterday if you're you know obviously you're listening this (laughs) on monday um i had a much better time this time and i think part of it is because um i had my wife with me and you know we went as a larger group and um, you know, just uh, more ideas and seeing everybody else's, um, kind of, um, you know, involvement and having a good time and cracking jokes and stuff. So maybe part of the reason why I was feeling what I was feeling yesterday was just because of the fact that I was by myself, but, um, we got there early, um, before opening. And so as we got in, we beelined it straight to the table for, um, Faruka, um, she, you know, played Vicky Valancourt from the water boy. She was also in the craft. My dad has a mud dogs Jersey from water boy. Cause it's his favorite movie. Um, so Peter and Ari wanted to make sure that they got that autographed for my dad. Um, but she, uh, I don't know if it was running late or was supposed to be, uh, you know, scheduled for a later arrival or what, but she, you know, she, it was a while before she got there. So, um, I'd walked over to the ATM with Peter to grab some cash and then uh, Raymond had met us. And on the way back, we saw Ronnie. um, Oh, what's her name? Ronnie, Ronnie Blakely. 
So Ronnie Blakely plays the mom from Nightmare on Elm Street, the very first one. And if you follow the Instagram page, you saw that I posted a picture the other day. We were rewatching it, me and Perla getting ready for, for Sunday. And there was a scene in that movie where I turned to Perla because the mom in the movie is, um, I, I guess it's a given that she's unemployed because you never see her go to work or anything. And she's always just kind of lounging around the house and she's an alcoholic. So like the impression you get is like, she's just a stay home mom who's a drunk. But there's a scene of her in the kitchen all dressed up, like fancy, like she was going to go for a job or maybe even for an interview. But she was pouring vodka. And I was like, why, why is she so dressed up in the morning getting hammered? Like, what, what is her job? Like, I, I, I was like, does she have a job? Like, what's the deal? So I was telling Raymond that. And he's like, dude, let's go ask her. So we walk over to the table. We talked to her, sweetest woman ever. And she had set the record straight for us. She was like, um, oh, I forget the mom's name in the movie. Um, but she is a painter. Um, so obviously divorcee um, or divorcee. I don't know how you say that. Uh, divorced from John Saxon's character, who was the cop, um, you know, living in the house, raising uh, Nancy. But she was a painter. And she said that they made reference to that in the movie. But I don't remember that. But she gave me an odd little fact that. Um, she, as an actress, Ronnie Blakely painted a picture of Heather lightning cap as Nancy. And then the production staff wanted to use the painting in the movie. So somewhere in the movie is a painting of Nancy that was, uh, created by Ronnie Blakely. Um, so yeah, fun fact. I don't know. Now I'm going to go back and rewatch it again, just so I can see that stuff. But she was super cool. Um, went back to Faruka's table. She was still taking a while. So, um, Perla and Peter wanted to meet Melinda Clark, who was the zombie from Return of the Living Dead 3. Um, she's also from the OC. She is in, uh, Perla's favorite vampire diary. So, um, we got some pictures with her, got to talk to her for a little bit. Again, super cool, super nice. Um, just had the best conversation with her. Went back to Faruka's table, still not there. So Perla and I decided to take some laps. We went and checked out the vendors and, you know, checking out the artists and, you know, all the makeup and special effects. And it was cool. Ran into some really good people. Um, we ran into Jason from Dads from the Crypt. So if you listen, we did a, a sit-in um, episode with them a while back. Go check out their uh, podcast, Dads from the Crypt. Uh, it's a great show. Then we also ran into Michael and Jessica from the Grim Life um, Collective, which um, is just kind of top of mind for me because I just watched their interview with um, Shelley Duvall, who they got her to be in this movie called, um, I want to say it before without looking it up, um, The Forest Hills. I I believe that's the name, but it's got Shelley Duvall in it, who hasn't been in a movie forever, and it's got Edward Furlong in it and a couple other people. Um, and it looks super scary, but I haven't seen a release date for it. So I asked him about it and he was like, ah, they're doing some reshoots and, you know, we're kind of at the mercy of that. And so we'll see. Keep an eye out for the Forest Hills. That movie looks great, but got a picture with him. Um, Jessica, his co-host, I <laughs> she went to go play with the masks. So only got the picture with me and him. Um, but then we also saw somebody that Ari recognized and she couldn't pinpoint like where she knew him from, but she knew he was in some stuff. Other people were taking pictures with them. He was just kind of walking around. 
So as he was rounding the corner, I pulled him and I was like, hey, I'm sorry. My friend, she knows you. She doesn't remember from where. She's having a brain fart. I, I don't recognize you, but like, I hate to be this guy, but like, can you tell me where you're from or like what we might have seen you in? And he was super cool about it, but he said he'd been on a lot of TV and he started talking about the Olsen twins. Um, and then he started talking about, where did she recognize him? Oh, he was in, um, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. So this is uh, who I'm talking about. His name is Matt Winston. Um, and so he said he'd been in a ton of TV. And so when I looked him up after the fact, cause we took some pictures with him, he was in uh, Raising Hope, which uh, is a favorite show of Raymond and mine's. And, um, you know, had I known, I probably would have dug in a little bit better, um, but uh, fanned out a little bit more. But um, all good. And um, we still got a picture with him. We still got some good conversation with him. Um, and then, again, we just kind of walked around, found some stuff. Um, Perla got some cool knickknacks. Um Peter ended up getting the autograph. That was cool. We did their museum there. It was cool. Um, and then we ended up leaving probably around like two o'clock. Um, so we didn't spend a whole ton of time there. We went to go get some lunch and hang out. But I think the vibe for me was different today, just being with people. So I think kind of going forward, I'm also, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always want to like do it with someone. And now I've got a little bit more of a, uh, um, reach with some people on Instagram, then, you know, maybe we can plan that stuff out in that sense as well and whatnot. So all in all, it was a, it was a fun weekend. Um, you know, some, some hurdles, but we worked through them and, you know, took some really good photos, talked to some really cool people and, uh, everybody had fun today. So all good. So now I want to shift gears and I want to kind of focus on these booths, um, and these vendors that I, um, kind of briefly mentioned. Um, as always, with the interviews of this type, you're going to hear the in between each of the interviews, just to kind of insinuate that we're, we're changing from one to the other. But um, some really good stuff. Again, I'll put all the links to their pages on the description for this. Uh, go and check them out, especially uh, More Monsters. They got some dope tiki mugs. Like You're going to hear about them, but you're definitely going to go and check them out. Alan, I'm thinking about you um some really good shit so um anyways have fun enjoy the interviews and uh you know like i said uh follow everybody um that that we've talked to you know they're great artists and uh yeah go check out their their work for yourselves later jennifer sutherland and i create eggs with mouths in them <laughs> Most- <laughs> where did you even get the idea for it uh, i came from a dream we had well we went to a, an estate sale one day, and it inspired me because we found, like, all these old dental equipment. I was like, I could do some creepy things with that. What? But it actually came into a dream. I don't, I just, the egg of the mouth, I, I, I got to try it because the egg is so fragile. Sure. So, and it worked. When I did it, I was like, look, look, it worked, it worked. <laughs> and that's how they, that's how they're born. How did you get the idea to put the teeth in there? Uh, like I said, I just tried it. I just, I, I kind of had a visual in my head. And I was like, I just played around till I could, you know, manipulate it enough to, to make it look like that. But they've gotten, from the beginning to where they are now, they're way more detailed. Oh, okay. Yeah, way more. They've right. got, there's a lot more involved in them. But at first, it's just, was the open the mouth and, you know, manipulate it enough to look like a man. And it did. It was very creepy. They provide a real <laughs> creep factor. It is. It's, but they're so innocent. Oops. So are they like, because um, I know like at the dentist's office they need to mold and models and stuff like that. 
for the teeth, there, it is, there is a mold for the teeth. I have several different teeth designs that I also, when I put them in, I shape them too. So they're not, you know, they might be coming out of the mold like that, but I manipulate them and do, awesome. well, you can see them. They have like, some of them are creepier yeah, than others. Yeah. 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 So well, where can everybody find your stuff? Ah, Sutherland's Underland 2.0 on Instagram. Okay. Perfect. And Sutherland'sUnderland.com. Got it. Yes. Okay, Thank got you that. so much. Well, my name is Colton Tran and I started a company called Transylvinyl and I make artwork out of broken vinyl records. Where did you get the idea to start? Me and my producing partner moved to LA. I mainly direct horror films and she produces them. Okay. And, and we had moved into our place and had no art. And I've, I grew up with an art background, so I was like, we, we, I need to make something. And I originally was gonna just do full pieces of vinyl on a canvas and get red paint and splatter ghost face on it. Yeah. And then I was like, it's mostly black anyways. I'm just gonna break it and make his face. And did that, and then Amoeba Records saw it, because my friend worked there. And then um, that spiraled into them writing an article, and then I got a ton of commissions, and it just kind of spinned off from there. So how long have you been doing this? About 10 years. 10 years. Yes. That's pretty awesome. Where can people find your stuff? I have a website, transylvinyl.com. Okay. And I, on my Instagram as well, tra transylvinyl all around the board. Okay. Yep. Now you also mentioned that you direct horror movies? Yes, I mainly am a, a movie director um, and actor as well. So oh, nice. our first horror film just came out in January. It's called Snowfalls, and then the second one, my trailer comes out next month and it releases in fall. It's called okay. The Bellkeeper. Snowfalls um, and The Bellkeeper. Yep. Yeah. And then we are um, in pre-production for our new project. So, Which yeah. Is, is it secret? It's called Sketch. It has been announced, but it's the concept is secret. Okay. So, yeah. How's the booth been for you this weekend? It's been great. We were here in 2018, which was a great success. And this time it's been cool to just, because I brought these new shadow lanterns that I made. They're like right. um, oh, hand painted. Yeah, so that's like a new addition this year. Um, but it's been good to see how people react to the artwork again. A lot of people find it very unique and they're like, I've never seen something in this medium before. Like, so it's fun to, to know that I'm creating something that people find unique and fun to look at, yeah. Can people bring like different vinyl, like their own vinyl to you or is it just, like can, can they request pieces? Yes, I have custom commissions. People will uh, request custom thing you know for like someone wanted a Britney Spears piece and so I used Britney vinyl and someone just asked for a Jim Morrison piece with the Doors vinyl but one of the most like interesting and heartfelt pieces was this per these people reached out and said hey can I send you my grand my grandfather's vinyl he just passed away and make a picture of him and so they sent it to me and made made a, a portrait of their grandma grandpa with the vinyl so that was cool so I can do anything made out of anything uh, with vinyl yeah awesome. Great, man. I'm, I'm glad I ran into you. And, Me too. Um, so, since we're a uh, horror movie podcast, I always have to ask, what was, two questions. Number yes. one, what was your, like, what was the first horror movie you ever saw? Well, okay, the first one I ever remember seeing at a really young age was Chucky because my dad horrified me. Like the original? <clears throat> the original Child's Play. Play. But then the one that really inspired me to even become a filmmaker, I was probably, I think, 10 years old and it was Scream. Okay. Um, that one really resonated with me, became my favorite horror franchise of all time. And um, that's when I started making yeah, movies, yeah. Yep, yep, it's just, it's just, yep. And at the times, like, right there, they they just grow with the yeah. times, it's yeah. so great. So, I think I already know the answer to the question, but what is your favorite scary movie? <laughs> kind of on brand. I, that, that's, my, that's my favorite question, it just like, excites me. Um, Scream, it is Scream, yeah. yes. That is, it, it just, 
there's something so special about that film. And Wes Craven, R.I.P. Um, but yeah, that's my favorite scary movie. Oh, hi, my name is Jim Moore. I'm from uh, the San Diego, California area. Nice. And my company is More Monsters, and I make mostly ceramic monsters, mostly classic monsters. They're all based on, uh, you know, stuff we all know and love. And uh, I'm having a really good... Uh, run of it here at Monster Palooza. Is this your first time in an event like this? No, I've been doing Monster Palooza since about maybe 2014, maybe, okay. but mostly the one in Burbank. Ah. Yeah, I've only this is my, only my third one in Pasadena. So you were here last year? I was here last year. Oh, okay. Yes, I was. Okay. I was right around the corner there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. How did you get into doing what you do? Oh, I've been a monster fan my whole life. I've always sculpted and drawn pictures, and I started... Uh, I got a, a job uh, making latex masks in the 90s and, at a Halloween company, and I was there for about 15 years. And I learned a lot of techniques there. And I, my brother had a kiln, and so there's a lot of similar things to making Halloween masks, making ceramic slip cast molds. And so I just kind of segued my love of monsters from masks into ceramic, uh, mostly mugs now. Nice. So what's, what's been your best seller so far? The creature, this guy, creature from the Black Lagoon. That's a good one. Yeah, Great no, everyone loves him. I can't keep this guy in stock. <laughs> That's awesome. So where can people find your stuff? Uh, more monsters, M-O-O-R-E, monsters. Um, I have an Etsy store okay. on Etsy.com, and I also have Instagram and Facebook. Perfect. And uh, more monsters at hotmail.com. Awesome. Now, because we are a horror podcast, we like to ask two questions. Number one, what was the first horror movie you ever saw it's so hard to say. I was so young. It was probably some old monster movie, Saturday afternoon thing. It was probably like, I don't know, like Bride of Frankenstein or Creature from the Black Lagoon or uh, Black Sabbath. Uh, I, I saw a lot of old reruns of classic movies back on when there was 13 channels. I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older. <laughs> okay, question number two. What is your favorite scary movie? Favorite scary movie? Like for scares? Well, let's call it a horror movie. What's your favorite horror movie? Golly gee, uh, it's so hard to say. Um, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to say Alien. I'm going to say Alien because Alien is it's a horror movie that's completely effective as a horror movie in a cool science fiction setting that's got the be one of the best monsters ever designed. That's a great film. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, I can't. That's I could say The Exorcist, but. Yeah, I'm going to say Alien. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great answer. Okay. <laughs> there are no wrong answers, are there? Uh, Unless no, I said, I don't, I don't if so. I said Caddyshack, that might not be a great answer, I mean, would it? I it depends. You could call the variety <laughs> scary or horror-ish. Well, there's, this, mean, there's this gopher that comes out. There, there's that, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it was nice meeting you, Jim. Okay, thank Paul. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. Okay. Good okay. luck with the rest of the table and the rest of the day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hard. Oh, I got one already. Thank you. <laughs> My name is uh, Mauricio Alvarado. I run the company rockinpins.com. I started this uh, about eight years ago. The main reason I started it was, to be honest with you, I saw a lot of people bootlegging pins a while back. They were really popular on Instagram. And I got the idea, wait, why don't I just do official ones? You know. And then I started reaching out to bands like Black Sabbath, uh, and I got to do pins for their uh, Blu-ray box set. And then I saw that, hey, David Bowie doesn't have any. Pink Floyd doesn't have any pins, you know? So then I started licensing a bunch of different uh, artists, 
Was that, was that a difficult process for you to get the licenses from those bands? No, funny enough, because at the time nobody was making uh, pins. Really? I just got in there easy and was like, hey, I'll make them for you. And the thing is, um, our designs, the, the reason I'm really proud of our stuff is we get the likenesses just right. It's hard to get that on a pin, but our pins look like the artists we're sure. celebrating. But another kind of side thing to that too was I got the idea, wait a minute, if I can do this for bands and stuff, could I do this for, you know, random stuff I grew up loving like... Other properties. Yeah, the Groucho Marx or Gumby or Three Stooges. Sure. And yeah, I could. And the sad thing about um, kind of realizing that is, yeah, unless the company is actively investing time and energy on these properties, they're just going to be forgotten. Because, you know, the big companies right now are Warner Brothers and Disney. Obviously, you see that stuff everywhere, but it's like, where do you see Gumby? Where are you going to see the Fleischer right. stuff? Where are you going to see Felix the Cat or Mighty Mouse? So, um, as I've been doing conventions and noticing that more of the adult crowd is getting more excited over this stuff than kids, it also dawned on me, like, wait a minute, this stuff isn't being shown to the younger generation. I used to grow up watching this on cassettes, uh, VHS tapes and all that. And yeah, with internet and YouTube, there's just so much out there. But sadly, that means that a lot of stuff is getting pushed aside. So then I was like, well, why don't I create events and celebrate these cartoons? Let's watch them. But then it led to the other questions where I could find good material, where I could find HD scans or the real original right. film elements. Right. Because the thing that's sadly, I mean, I, I was a kid. We were all were kids and we're really picky, you know? And I feel like today's kids, unless it's like HD graphics or it looks like pristine, they're gonna be turned off, yeah. you know what I mean? So that's another reason why is we should go back to the original negatives, original film elements, make them look as good as they ever were, and then present them to a uh, new generation. Because that's the thing is, I didn't grow up in the 20s or 30s. I didn't watch this stuff back in the day. So it's like, it's still, even through bad prints, that's the thing is you gotta remember too, is we watch cassettes, so we watch bad print after bad print of this stuff. Sure. But yet, the charm and the artistry shines through. So specifically with the Fleischer stuff, I got the license for Betty Boop. My mom loves Betty Boop. I'll do some Betty Boop stuff. But then a music video with Ghost Mane came out as a rapper. And essentially what they did is they reused a sequence from Snow White, Betty Boop Snow White. With the, yeah, with the dancing ghost from Coco. But they put uh, Ghost Mane music over it. And that went viral. So now all his fan base thinks that he created Coco and the ghosts and all that sort of stuff, that he's associated with it. But I saw that as an opportunity where it's like, wait a minute, if these new kids are into Coco and the ghosts, where are the rest of the cartoons? Maybe we could build on that. Maybe I could develop merchandise and sell to them because quite frankly, like I said, unless the, the company is actively making merchandise for people and stuff, it's, you're, no one's going to go out of their way to make shirts and apparel for this stuff. Sure. So I started making merch of the Coco and the Ghost and all that. 
and it just yeah we kept selling out people were just more interested in this stuff um, and that pretty much is what connected me with uh, Jane Fleischer who's uh, Max Fleischer's granddaughter and I basically told her my story like hey I think there's an interest here especially with stuff like Cuphead um, yeah. Bendy yeah. Um, kind of uh, paying homage to this stuff right. but like I mentioned kids are just seeing this and they don't know the history so now when they see any old cartoon they just think it's Cuphead you know and um, my whole mission is to yeah introduce people to this the cartoons I think they're amazing if you go into the history of Max Fleischer and Walt Disney there's a rivalry there and um, essentially Disney took animators from him took ideas you know so it's there's that whole history but anyways um, yeah I mean the merchandise helps fuel the restorations we're working with Paramount Pictures scanning original negatives Dude, that's super cool. yeah it's that's the thing is oh man there's so much history to that's like we could do this for an hour but essentially it's like I think because Paramount doesn't own the characters the Fleischer characters they own the films and unless like in my opinion, unless a family member or someone from the Fleischer camp says, hey, why don't we work together and you know, restore this stuff, present it, I don't think this would have ever happened unless I like got the idea and was like, hey, we should do this. But then that leads on to more stuff like, where are the Gumby films? Where are the Felix the Cat stuff? So it's kind of like this big picture of restoration of classic animation, classic media. Because if you look around, you see Vinegar Syndrome or Criterion or some random uh, company restoring some rare Italian film in 4K. And then I'm like, you guys are doing that, but wait a minute, where are this other stuff that we also love? And, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, that's basically kind of the main thing is just like, hey, no one's doing anything for it. I love it. There's an interest. There's a new interest with people. Yeah. And then what's really great, too, is you start to realize all these Fleischer cartoons are really awesome. I mean, they're spooky, scary, sexy. Yeah, even the Cinderella one, last, or the Snow White one, last night, had, you know, just the, when it got into, like, the horror tones with the goats and the background music, it was like, dude, it's right up my alley. Exactly. So as we're uh, restoring all these films, we're introducing people to the films all over again, the characters. And because um, I think, like, in the 50s when they were on television there's a lot of Fleischer cartoons that didn't make it to television because they were too risque so that's yeah. yeah so that's the stuff that we also want to get out okay. present because think about it this stuff's almost hitting to be a uh, hundred years old, years old yeah. so it's like deteriorating some of the stuff so race against time so, you know. so are you guys like waiting to like have everything and then release everything or are you like you're releasing small chunks at a time because there's like, because there's like, over 500 films. Our team is like, less than six people. So it's kind of like, hey, we just scanned one. Here it is. We restore it, finish it, send it to Paramount. Then we get another one. So. So like, um, you give them one, and they give you one. Like, it's kind of like a trade. Yeah. Okay. Or, what we're doing now too is actually like, hey, give us five. Go ahead and scan five of them. We're gonna work on five. When you guys are done, maybe we'll be done. But we kind of—it's basically just 
day by day. Take so, them in, so take, are push they, them out. Are they going to be the ones like kind of re pushing that stuff out, or it's us? We're okay. the ones doing the screenings. We're the ones promoting the merch. Got we're it. the ones doing the panels. Paramount just has the film elements, and they're just happy to work with us. Happy that we're putting That's in time cool. to restore this stuff. Because you got to think too, it's not just Fleischer cartoons that they own. Paramount owns a lot of stuff, and they're actively working on restoring all of it. But the thing, like I said. 500 plus cartoons they don't have that big of a team to handle all that so it's like why don't we handle it you know we got a fly through so what so what does your team consist of like you say your team six people what, what, what does that mean do you have like, uh... i do the merch i do the screenings jane is um kind of manages the what gets in what goes out final approvals and stuff and then the other team is just people who do the actual physical restoration digital restoration like the conversion to like the high def stuff exactly yeah because um the thing too about this stuff is you don't you don't want to get a team that doesn't know the material that isn't familiar with it because they could there's a thing called dbnr it's automatically takes out scratches and stuff like that oh. but it could also take out line works on actual artwork so we have to, we'll do DVNR, but then we got to go frame by frame and double check that it didn't take out anything we needed. And if you're not a fan of Fleischer's, if you're not familiar with the work, someone could leave something in error or, or whatever. So that's why we're a bit of a small team, just because it's like, we're big fans of this stuff. And, and it doesn't complicate things, you know? If we get too much of a team, it's like, where's this, where's that? But, um, so is final product like only available to view during screenings or is, I, is there somewhere where I can go to see that stuff? We have a YouTube channel where we're uploading some, not all, because there's also 16 millimeter prints that we upload on there. But the main concern with um, uploading them on YouTube or putting out a Blu-ray so soon is people will rip it. People will upload it for free and then it goes all our work. So what we're thinking is let's tour this stuff. Let's actually bring people out to theaters, have them watch the cartoons the way they were meant to be seen. It helps us gain a following. We gotta, we gotta build that following so that in the future, if we have an announcement, we could let them know. Um, but eventually, we'll once we have like 20 or so, then we'll put out like a best of okay. or that we'll have for sale. But for now, we just we're gonna get ripped off. All our work's gonna go down yeah, the drain, yeah. and it's like, uh. Man, such, a, such a bummer. But, um, but yeah, right now we're we're planning screenings all over the country. Uh, How can I find out, like, when the, when, where the screenings are, when? All our social is Fleischer Tunes on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Okay. Uh, Fleischer Tunes. Uh, just last week, we had a show in LA, and we had Matt Groening from The Simpsons really? show up. That's awesome. We had Billy West show up, voice of Ren and Stimpy, and Paul Dini, who um, worked on the Batman animated series. He's the guy who created Harley Quinn. Okay. Um, and the reason the animated series was made in the 90s was because of the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons. So we're connecting, you know, industry people. And, kind of get that whole crowd to yeah, support awesome. us yeah. um, but that's kind of our mission is awesome. just just watch cool cartoons yeah. save them yeah. have fun uh, it's it's an experience to see a full crowded 
theater laughing to Popeye cartoons. It's pretty wild. It's awesome. And then, honestly, too, it's like you just get to see how amazing the Fleischers were, just as a studio. And I know everybody loves Disney, and yeah, I grew up loving Disney and stuff, but man, once you see Fleischer tunes and just see how amazing they were with the jazz music, too. Because the Disney cartoons and the Warner Brothers stuff, they had like classical music and, and all that sort of stuff. But the Fleischers, because they were based in New York, surrounded by the jazz musicians, all those cartoons have that awesome soundtrack to them. It makes them more lively, it makes them more fun, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, I don't want to... I don't want to boast, but it's like, if I didn't do this, like, for reals, like, what would those cartoons be? I really can't think of anybody who would be like, hey, let's work with Paramount, let's get this stuff out. You know? Plus, I would think at this point, if there was somebody else doing it, you'd already know by now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it's just a testament to the fact that if it wasn't you, then it'd probably be nobody. And what's really cool about this whole thing is I'm doing it with Jane Fleischer. She's the granddaughter, and to have her support, and to kind of show her the reaction from fans like dude your family made it's such a trip you know like yeah. to think that a family you know if yeah. my family was you know created cartoons back in the day and everybody loved them I don't know I'd probably be like freaked out or yeah. something I don't know it's just it's a weird fun cool thing to show uh, Jane yeah. and her family because yeah. um, you know it's the, the Fleischer brothers you know they were a group of family members who did that animation studio so it's all family oriented um, I don't know it's just I love it all and might as well I do it than someone else you know I'm glad you're doing it man well I mean if anybody's gonna do it like you know you're doing it really well so I think you're a good pick for choice to be doing it yeah. you seem to have a passion for it so it seems like it's another I think um I think eventually, hopefully, we'll get to the point where I could do bigger screenings, like in a big thousand-seat theater or something like that, and you know, and, and get people to come out. Cause, yeah, man, this stuff's just classic. You just can't beat it. You know, I keep seeing new stuff. I'm just not impressed, and just it's just a rehash of whatever. Or they're trying to do what they did back in the day, and they just can't reach it. You know, so it's like. Well, even with like the more current stuff, so like I've seen a lot of like. 90s cartoons that are being remade or rebooted and the style is just the, the, the edge is not there in, in the writing and the storytelling and the artwork is just too modern I don't know it's, it takes away so like yeah. to know how old this stuff is and then the fact that it's on the precipice of being 100 years old and no one sees it anymore like it would suck for it to just be buried in time because that's a funny thing too is you know people think they're just oh trash throwaway cartoons but it's like if you really think about it like each frame was painted each frame was drawn out and there was literally hundreds of people working on cartoons and they're pieces of art yeah. you know surreal amazing pieces of art That's with crazy. great music I mean I, I look at it music is what does it for me yeah, yeah. I, I look at a Picasso it's not jumping at me. It's not making me move and groove or whatever, you know? So it's like, yeah. yeah. It's like, let's keep this stuff going. Let's yeah. just keep promoting it. And yeah. We're well, doing great work. Appreciate, Appreciate it, man. You. No, yeah, thank you again.
Appreciate you, man.